It has been some time since we've actually passed an offering plate. We have a variety of other ways that you have been giving through the baskets, I think, that are still at the front and back, through online giving, through mailing it in. One of the things I miss is the offertory prayer that we had. But I want to tell you, a lot of churches aren't doing well because of this. But our church is, and I'm thanking God for that, that he has put on the people's heart to continue to worship him, even in their giving, despite the circumstance. So let's just take a minute to give God thanks for that. Father, we're not taking up an offering at this time, but nonetheless, we want to pray to you to give you thanks for your providing for us. You provide for us as individuals, and Lord, you've been very good to us as a church, and we would be amiss if we didn't say thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for our time of worship and music, and I pray, Lord, as we look at your word right now, that your spirit would come. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Send your spirit to give us understanding, and I ask all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for that music. I really appreciate that. Must be nice to, anytime you want some music to call on your family and your uncles and so forth. <laughs> I want to begin by asking you a question. Uh, what's the most important day of your life? Most important day of your life. Uh, some of you are sitting with your wife. You probably better say, I get, the day I got married. For others, you may say, well, it was the birth of one or all of our children. Some of you might say, well, the most important day of my life was the day I got that degree that I worked so hard to get. I've talked to people in the past who said, the day I got my feet back in America after being away serving our country, that was the most important day of my life. And then others that want to be spiritual today, super spiritual and sound good, they'll say, well, the most important day for me was the day I got saved and my baptism. The real question is, what would God say is the most important day of your life? Well, anyways, Mary Stewart once told me that I asked a question at the beginning of the sermon and didn't answer it to the end, and that made her be distracted and kept wondering throughout the service what the answer to the question is. So, Mary, this is for you. <laughs> well, it's starting to seem like a long time now since things were normal, don't you think? Back to the pre-coronavirus days. I'm really starting to miss those good old days now, the days before the virus. And when you start to get a little bit older like me, it seems like you're always missing something in the past. You always look back with fond memories and you say, boy, I miss that. Those were the good old days. In fact, I have many friends and acquaintances, and I'm thinking of this person and that person and that person and a little bit of me, and I'm putting them all together as one person right now. This would be how I would sum up some, some people, and like I said, including me. These people I would describe as they have their mind in the past too much. They're always either reminiscing or else they're regretting something about the past. Now, with no sports on TV, for some of us who like sports, and not much else going on, a lot of people have been uh, forced to watch reruns. Andy Griffith, Leave it to Beaver, The Waldens are on, you can watch those. 
And as people watch those, they say, oh, man, this is the good old days. I wished I was back then. I remember I was about 20 years old when the Waldens first come out, maybe 18, 20, 21. I don't remember exactly. And lots of people said, oh, that's the kind of life I wished we had, that good old simple life. Those were the days. I wished I could be back there. But the truth is, and I'm a person, I'm not a historian, but I like history. And I've studied enough of the 30s, which is where the Waldens is set, to know those weren't the time to be. That was the days of the Depression. Times were tough. There were mobsters rolling the cities like Al Capone and Dillinger and so forth, running bootlegged alcohol. There were soup lines in the cities that would be several blocks long, I understand, because people were hungry and they had no work, and they couldn't make ends meet whatsoever. And then, I think it was in that decade, that the Dust Bowl came along and blew the topsoil away from our breadbasket, the central part of the United States. Now, those weren't the good old days, no matter what people may reminisce and think back. By the way, I just wouldn't even want it to be back in the 30s because no showers, and if you had to go, you went outside. Well, the 40s, I talked to other people that 40s was the years to be in. But I think they're missing the fact that millions of people were slaughtered. Millions of people went to war and never come back home. And people at home didn't know if the next day whether freedom would ring or not. And then by the end of the 40s, there was the fear that one day we'd be blown away by the atomic bomb. I know in the 50s, late 50s, we were practicing that in school. We were protecting ourselves. If the atomic bomb happened, we were okay because we'd be under our desk. <laughs> I had, personally, two good friends that just wished we could be back in the 60s, and their mind is in the 60s today. Now, not because they wanted to be flower children or take LSD or anything like that, because that's when the Beatles and the Stones and so forth come out with the great music, they wanted to be back in those days where everybody could get a job and just things were great. But I want to say to them, but wait a minute. Didn't President Kennedy get murdered in the 60s? Didn't his brother, Senator Kennedy, get murdered in the 60s? Didn't Martin, Martin Luther King Jr. get murdered in the 60s? Weren't we torn apart over the Vietnam War at that time? I remember watching TV, some of us are still in black and white at that time, watching Detroit burn down. We were such unrest. Even in the churches, even in the church today, I hear people reminisce almost too much about I wish church was like it was in the old days. And I'm guilty of this myself. All the days were Sunday schools. We had 12 kids in every class. And when we had vacation Bible school or Sunday school program, we filled up the first four rows with kids. And the adults, some of them would have to stand back. Those were the good old days. And sometimes we want to bring the past to the present and try to make it work. But it's like fitting a round peg in a square hole. I know other people, though, it's not reminiscing that they dwell on the past. They dwell on the past because there's pain back there. And they can't get their mind past the pain that either they experienced, that they went through, regrets that they have, or that somebody else put on them. Somebody else did something to them. 
And so they can't really get on with today because they just can't get by the past. I think history is important. I think we ought to look back from time to time. I think as American citizens, we ought to look back and see what happened and learn from the mistakes of our fathers before us. I think as Christians, we ought to look back at the history of the church and learn about mistakes that the church made. I'll give you an example. When I read the Bible, you're reading some history when you read about the Israelites leaving Egypt on their way to the Promised Land. What did they do over and over again? They grumbled and complained against the Lord. Over and over again, I see the Lord not being happy with that and taking action against them. So you would think, I would learn my lesson, wouldn't you? And quit grumbling and complaining. But we need to pray for help for that. But that's a good reason to look back. Say, I see these mistakes. I see the mistakes that I've made. And I make a new vow today to be a new person in Christ. Well, just as many people, as I know, have their mind in the past, many of them have their minds in the future, too much on the future. They focus on the idea that their best life is ahead of them. They focus on worries and concerns. In fact, they're so concerned about the future, it ruins today. It's okay to make goals, but I know people that the goals become the end to life itself. And that it messes up what they're doing right now. One person I know, I won't mention a name, but I heard them say this when we were in high school. All was I care about is getting out of here. Just getting past high school. I just want to get back high school. Then the real living's going to start. Then I heard them say... Because they couldn't get a job when they first got out of school. If I can just get a job, that's all I need. Then life is going to be a bed of roses. I can get on living the life if I just get that job. And you know what happened when they got the job? It was, if I can just get on the other side of my wedding day. I'm getting married. And I want to get married. And as soon as I get married, life's going to be the way it was supposed to be. What do you guess they wished for next? Kids. If I can just have kids, then we'd have a real family. Then I can get on with living my life. Then, I don't know, by the time they hit teenage years, and some of you said the same thing, when the kids are out of the house, then I'm going to start living life. And then the next thing, after the kids left, well, if I can just get to retirement, then my wife and I are going to do all those things we talked about all our lives. We're going to take some trips and do some things. The guy I had in mind... Guess what happened to him a year before he hit retirement? Suddenly he died. You see, for some people, the joy that they're wanting, that they're longing for, is somewhere out there, and they just never discovered it because they don't really know what they're looking for, where to find true contentment and true joy. And the thing about the future is God knows exactly what it's like, but we don't know, do we? We need to confess sometimes, I don't know what lies ahead of me. It's said in the Bible that if we should attach the words, if God's willing, whenever we make a statement about what we're going to do. I don't know that if we need to say that every time, but that's the truth that we ought to know intellectually. Well, there's other people, though. Their plans are not in the future, not living out in the future. They are so worried about what lies ahead of them, they don't do well today. 
the cares of tomorrow, they drag them into concerns for today. And it becomes overwhelming. They can't seem to leave things in God's hands. They're always thinking ahead and letting that ruin today. When we live in the future, I guess what we live, we start living and we're so concerned about it, we end up living a life of fear. Well, shouldn't we look ahead? Are you saying then we shouldn't plan? Uh, plan for retirement? Shouldn't plan on things? No, I'm not saying that at all. But to be over-obsessed with what's happening in the future, to say, I'll start living when the future comes instead of to be living today, that's a different matter. Jesus himself said to always take stock, count the cost of being a disciple. In another passage, he would say, the wise man built his house on rock. The foolish person built it on sand. When the storms of life came away, the one who built it on sand was voiced away. So you need to plan. What are you building your life on? That is with a thought for tomorrow, but the emphasis is really on today. So I'll argue that God wants us to look back briefly, to learn from the past, to find things that we need to change to please God, and then make the adjustments today. Today's the day we make those adjustments. Paul was trying to instruct the church at Philippi how to do Christian life. He said to the church, I'm not perfect. I'm still trying to get to where I need to be, but I do not dwell on the past. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and reaching forward to what is ahead... I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul forgets what's in the past. Now, he is looking ahead, isn't he? But just for his motivation of how to do today. Because I have this prize out there in front of me, life with Jesus forever, that motivates me to run that race today. He says, in implying that so much time is wasted living in the past or the future that we miss today. And we can't change the past. We can't change it. People try. You cannot change the past. You can only learn from it. And tomorrow, as I already mentioned, may never come. Something could change everything, like a pandemic could come along and disrupt life and disrupt your plans. Today's the day we have. Wouldn't it be a shame, now that we're slowed down talking about this, if we would waste this day we have today? Because we can never get it back. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes this to the church at Corinth. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life is begun. That's one thing I love about becoming a Christian. I can put the old life behind me. Christ assures me nothing will be held against me that I've done in the past. It's all about what I'm doing today, where my heart is today, where my mind is today. And I'm covered with the righteousness of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul writes to that same church, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. 
Let me translate that into maybe today's language. Be in it to win it is what he's saying. I've heard of people, have you heard the saying, some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? Okay, these are the people that don't concentrate on the day because they believe they're spiritual. I'm just thinking of everything that lies ahead of me, and today's not important. You'll never hear Jesus saying those words. Jesus talked very little about what lies ahead. Jesus talked about today and what we're doing today. He told a parable in Luke 12. 16 to 20. In this story, he said to his disciples, a rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? All his crops. Ah, I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Store all my grains and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, You have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? You see, it's not looking to the end of the journey. What's important to God, what's important to Christ, at least in my mind, is the journey that we're on. It's the day-by-day, step-by-step actions that we take that are important to Christ. The past and what I was mean nothing to God. The future is in His hands, not mine. What He wants me to be concerned about is what I'm doing with today and how I'm living my life. And am I trusting Him and walking with Him day-by-day? The journey is important. In my opinion, the journey is almost everything. I look ahead because that motivates me to keep walking on the journey. One day at a time. We shouldn't waste it. And as far as worrying about what's going to happen, oh, what are we going to do if this coronavirus doesn't go away? What do we do about our schools? What's going to happen with the presidential election? What's going to, we can fret and fuss about that forever and ever. But Jesus had a solution to our worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow and next week and next month. In Matthew six twenty five, he said in this instruction, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food in the body and more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the fields grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness. And all these other things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't 
worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We know that to be true, don't we? We miss what we can do today for the Lord by always keeping our mind out here or out there. There's a good reason to look back and look ahead, but our focus needs to be on today. We should begin the day by asking the Lord to show us, Lord, how can I be like you today? How can I be like Jesus was when he was here? With my family, with my friends, with my co-workers, with my brothers and sisters in Christ, with the lost. How can I be like those people? That puts today into perspective. We got today to be like Christ. Christ asks us to be like him, Christian, Christ-like. Today is also a waste if we're not grateful. Today is a day, no matter what we're going through, no matter what the circumstances, to be grateful. By telling God how happy you are, that you don't need to worry about tomorrow, that he has control of tomorrow. So I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm going to be grateful instead today because everything's in God's hands. He's going to take care of you. If you love God, he's going to take care of you. He'll work all things out for good for those who love him. Today's a day we don't want to waste by not talking to God. We don't want to waste today by not reading his word or looking at the good things that he's given us and that he's made and put all around us. We don't want to waste today by not serving him. And most often we serve him by the way we serve others in his name. We'll never get today back. I want to give you an illustration. I made some modifications to it, but this original thought was not mine. But here's how the story goes. Suppose someone like Bill Gates told you, starting in 2021, January 1st, at midnight, you're going to deposit $86,400 in your bank account every day at midnight for the entire year. Oh, there's a catch. You have to spend it all. If you get to the end of the day, when they go to deposit the next $86,400, anything you hadn't spent the day before is taken away from you. I would get a kick out of watching some of you try to do that, and I think some of you might be able to do it. Consider this. There's 60 seconds in a day and 60 minutes in an hour and 24 hours in a day. There are 86,400 seconds in a day. May we not either, may we not live either with wasted or lost opportunities because you know what happens every day at midnight? You don't get, you lose those seconds. You don't get them back or any minutes or any hours of that day. You don't get them back. They're lost opportunities. The only thing you can do is say to the Lord, I'm going to start again tomorrow. I confess I wasted some time yesterday. And that's the best that you can do. But Christ wants us to be people who strive never to waste a day. We may not have many left. For all I know, and I had a, I had a family member in the last week who got up on a certain day of the week, went to work, did everything like he normally did. Everything was fine, ate dinner. But he didn't make it to midnight. So I wanted to start a list. What can we do 
to say I'm not wasting a day. Now, some things I'm pretty confident about, but I wish this was like a class type thing and we could start brainstorming because I think we could, with your help, we could come up with a great list. But one thing I'm confident about, there's probably nothing more you can do to make this a productive day than to spend time with the Lord, alone with him, talking with him, telling him what your concerns are, asking him to give you confidence that he's got tomorrow taken care of, and along with that, part of talking to God's being in his word. So that wouldn't be a waste if you would do those two things. It would be a productive day if you look for ways to be like Jesus, as I mentioned, as you relate with people, and asking yourself the question throughout the day, huh, what would Jesus do if he were in my shoes right now? What would he do? If you ask that, even if you get it wrong, I think he's honored with you having that thought in your head. Jesus, are you happy with the quality time that I'm spending or don't spend with my spouse, with my kids, with my family, with some good friends? Look for ways to encourage others, especially we're told for people in the church. Always be about the business of building up your brothers and your sisters. There's times when we're down and we need your help and we need you to be good to us and gentle with us. And there's other times where you need you to come along and Give us a kick in the rear, too. Don't miss an opportunity to show kindness to others. A good goal to get started in that would always be do one kindness to someone else per day, at least. You'll be surprised once you get started with that. Always be in the forefront of your mind how often it'll build to two and three and ten things per day. Don't miss a chance to give someone a compliment not for the purpose of buttering them up so you can get something, but because they might need a little bit of encouragement. Don't miss a chance. So this would be a productive day to think if you've got any damaged relationships and how can I mend that? Help me not to put that off for another day, Lord. The Lord tells us to ask him for help every day. That's trusting the Lord walking with him day by day. In fact, he said, pray this, Father, who art in heaven, give us our day, our daily bread. Now, did he say to pray that, do you think, once a month, once every six months? He meant to pray that every day, give us what we need today. Lord, I'm going to trust you one day at a time. But what about tomorrow? I've got all these concerns for tomorrow. Remember what was said in Matthew 6.33? Seek first. Make this your top priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. And seek first his righteousness. And all these other things will be given to you. God loves you. He knows exactly what you need. He wants to take care of you. Now I'll confess. How did I get on to doing this sermon? Because this is one of the hardest things for me. When Jason's away, unless he tells me specifically what to preach on, the hardest thing for me is to come up with something to preach on. But three days in a row, I read a quote from somebody that were very similar as I was thinking about this. And I got to the end of the third day, and I said, ah, maybe you're, you're trying to get my attention. I don't know if that's true or not. But the first quote, and I don't remember the day of the week, but let's suppose this was on Monday. I read a quote by Corey Tenboom who faced a different kind of 
panicked than we are over the coronavirus. She faced Nazi, the Nazis and the plight of them and made this quote, Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. So I read that. If that was Monday, then on Tuesday, I was reading something by Warren Wearsby. And he said this, The best way to destroy today is to regret yesterday and worry about tomorrow. And my mind went back to what Corey had said, Ten Boom had said. And then I knew something was going on when that Wednesday then, I read Wearsby again. And he said this, Someone has said that the average person is crucifying himself between two thieves, the regrets of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. Well, let's get back to the very beginning of today, of the sermon part. If the Lord asked you, my child, what's the most important day of the life? And if you answered, today, Lord, I think he would be very well pleased. Today is the most important today. Tomorrow hasn't come yet. Yesterday's gone. We have today to do something to bring glory to our Father in Heaven who has done so much for us. We have today to reach out to a friend, whether it be a Christian or someone who's lost that needs us, that we need to be Jesus for. Palitha Jayasoria. I was reading an article in a magazine, and she was the author. Was talking about Mary John Wilkin, who was a country songwriter, and I was interested in that because of that. I listened to all kinds of music. In the article, it talked about Mary John drifting away at one time from her faith because she was going through some personal crisis. So the story is that she stopped at a church wanting some counseling and prayer. And there was a young pastor there. What she didn't know is the young pastor had never counseled anybody in his life. This was going to be his first session. So they had a conversation, and during the conversation, the pastor asked her, if she ever thought about being thankful to God for her problems. She went home and she started thinking about that strange question. And then she got up and went over and sat down at the piano and she started coming up with a melody and trying to write some words to it. And she got some of them written, but she was struggling finishing this to be a song. So she got a hold of an acquaintance of hers by the name of Chris Christopherson. You know, why me, Lord? if you're old enough. Here's some of the lyrics that came from that song. And after I'm done reading these, Lauren's going to come up, and I asked her if she would sing this song to be our closing prayer or our benediction today and a reminder that we have to leave here living one day at a time for our Lord. She wrote, I'm only human, I'm just a woman, Help me believe in what I could be and all that I am. Show me the stairway I have to climb. Lord, for my sake, teach me to take one day at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you. Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today and show me the way one day at a time.